Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Fed's latest meeting, inventory, and home prices. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, it's Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for HousingWire. Today, I'm speaking with John Gibson, Senior Vice President of TPO Lending at Flagstar. How is Flagstar supporting brokers right now? Yeah, I think it's a great question uh, in regards to what we're doing to support our broker partners. So I like to call it the three P's, right? And that's people, process, and products. And I'll start with, in no particular order, product, right? We offer a wide variety of products. So think of us as a one-stop shop type of place when you're dealing with us as a lender. Process, we continue to update our technology to bring it to state of art so it makes it easy for our business partners to do business with us. And then last but not least, I think the most important thing are our secret sauce is our people. Um, our tenured sales force, our AEs that support our business partners, on average, they've been with Flagstar for 16 years, right? So they know the process, they know every little nuance about getting a loan done at Flagstar, and they bring that to their business partners. Thanks, John. For more information, go to flagstar.com backslash Y. Flagstar.com backslash W-H-Y. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, on Fed Day, of course. One of our favorite days of the year, right? Fed Day every month, man. It's it's so stressful right now. Okay, what did we find out? Okay, so the of course the Fed didn't hike rates. That's not um out of the norm. You know, it it wasn't as aggressive as I would like in terms of the Fed just saying, hey, listen, financial conditions are really strict right now. Uh, he tried to get some wiggle room around it, uh, but obviously they've admitted that with uh, mortgage rates and the 10-year yield up this much, uh, not only is credit conditions tighter, but financial conditions uh, are, are, are tighter together. And there was a good pushback by um, a lot of the journalists asking him, you know, you used to talk about we needed a job loss recession or we needed pain in the labor market. And you know the growth rate of inflation is kind of falling, and the economy is is growing above trend. I think that's the good way to attack Jay Powell and the Fed members. That the growth rate of inflation has come down, even with the GDP growing at you know five percent in the in the in the last quarter, and jobless claims still under or near two hundred thousand, job openings still at nine point six million. Um, so, do we really need pain and? And I, and I hope that's where the direction we're going, because obviously, even if they don't want to admit it, they put their heads down and say, we need a recession. We need a recession. We're forecasting recession. Recession didn't happen. Growth rate of inflation fell. So it's not what I wanted to hear. But of course, the 10-year-old already has uh, broken lower. Uh, I think the last print I saw was 4.78%. Uh, of course, it's very elevated compared to where we were earlier in the year, but uh, financial and credit conditions have gotten tighter. And they finally, finally, after all these months, has said, well, it does look like 8% mortgage rates are impacting the housing market rather than just sit there, oh, the housing market's recovering, the housing market. And, and the reason I, I, I keep bringing this up is it's hard for me to 
kind of justify what the Fed is saying. Like if it's some loser guy on TikTok jumping up and down saying the housing market's recovering when purchase application data is falling, that, that's one thing, whatever. The guy's a jackass. We know that. But when Fred presidents are running around there saying the housing market's recovering, we're all looking at purchase application data. Okay, 1996, what was the number one song in 1996? Or what was the number one song in 1995? That's where we're at. That's it's it's hard to say a sector is recovering when you need to see credit growth uh, from demand recover. So I uh, ho- I'm glad that at least they got that question resolved. So uh, I don't have to bring that up every Wednesday when I do the purchase application data run on Twitter. So what you wanted to hear was you wanted to hear Jay Powell say we are not raising rates anymore. Um, wh- what else did you want to hear him say that he didn't? Just that. This is how I would say it. Number one, we at the Federal Reserve thought we need to create a job loss recession to bring inflation down. That was clearly wrong. In some ways, he kind of hinted at that. Number two, I'd say financial conditions are really tight. And if the growth rate of inflation keeps on falling, and if it's this tight, we're going to be cutting earlier than we originally talked about. Uh, So this actually gives you cover on both ends. The growth rate of inflation has to fall. And this assumes that the 10-year yield is still at these levels. Um, there, at least, it's like we all think this is going to be true, so you could go ahead and say it. But it just it looked like to me there were he was somewhat hesitant reading his body language. Um, and you know, the the backup in yields definitely got their attention. I mean, they uh the market price, no rate hikes, the the financial and credit conditions are now getting tighter. So he could be a little bit more forceful. Uh, uh, in, in talking about what the what the governors are saying, and just say it. Hey, listen, we under our models that we have talked about, we are financially the conditions are tight, so we just don't need to do anything anymore. Just land. We'll try to land the plane as much as we can. Uh, but he was kind of kind of wishy washy around that, even though all the reporters were kind of asking him, "Hey, listen, what are you what are you doing with the dot plots, everything?" And so. Not how I would have done it, but I think the bond market, you know, just went ahead. And we have to remember today, this is Wednesday. So the ADP report came in. It was a miss. We Not a lot of people put too much weight on the ADP jobs report. Job openings, fine. 9.6 million. Uh, the quits data is back to pre-COVID levels. That should be kind of like they're one of their main things that they follow. This means that less people are quitting for their jobs to get higher paying jobs. So if they care about the jolts number, that would be it. But the ISM manufacturing index uh, came in uh, as a big miss. So after that happened, the 10-year yield has broken. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, land the plane, Jay. Just at this stage, just land the plane. Uh, It's good that they put financial and credit conditions are tighter now. That makes sense to everyone watching, but... uh, uh, It'll be an interesting last two months of the year, considering what is happening and the fact that they have noted that financial conditions have gotten tighter to the general economy. And of course, I think we're all anticipating the growth rate of GDP to slow down. Uh, for, uh, we're not a general fast growing economy. That's, you know, sometimes we could have quarters that are deviated from trend, but the growth rate should be 
slowing down in Q4? So, you know, we, we just published um, an article today on Housing Wire. Um, you didn't write it. Uh, so we had Bill Conroy write it. It's a feature and it's the headline is Mortgage Lenders Facing a Dark Cold Winter. And it's just talking about the really tough conditions right now. No surprise to anyone in our audience. But you and I talked uh, yesterday about like, what could the Fed do if they really wanted to? And there are things they could do right away that would make a huge difference. Here's, here's the issue with that is that I, I don't think they care about the housing market because in the sense they see homeowners having a good fixed low debt product. And, 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 and I say this when I go all the way back to early this year, when Neil Kashkari went on TV, almost had a panic attack. He looked like he was, he's like, oh my God, 6% mortgage rates. That's too low. Right. In their minds, if and I'm not kidding, I keep on saying this, if people are buying homes, having sex, having kids, they're purchasing more stuff for their family, right? They don't want that. So I think rates getting back down to there cause some concern. And even with all that, the growth rate of inflation has been falling, right? Because rents are falling. That's the main thing. That's how rents really drive the inflationary data. Um, now we're actually seeing that the apartment construction boom is over. You're you're seeing uh, 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 the futuristic lookout for this, seeing a big drop off. Uh, so we've gotten to the point where we we even wrote about this in in September that the boom is over. The forward looking data is on this, or there, there's going to be a lot less construction. But I I've always thought of them as they have to attack the labor market because that's what they went into this. So yes, are they surprised that the economy is still held up? Of course they are. They forecasted a recession. Are they actually uh, uh, concerned about the housing market? Not really, uh, because they think the way to fight inflation is to get the labor supply larger. That means less people working or less job growth, less wage growth. So uh, they they always talk about, well, we want to help the consumer. So if we actually have them get paid less, then maybe the costs, you get more stability in costs. So um, this is why I'm not a Fed pivot person. I just don't, until jobless claims break. They and, And Jay Powell actually talked about this, how we don't see anything that highlights a recession. So we're not really worried. Jobless claims breaking over 323,000 would break, that would break their models, that would break all the Fed models in the past. That's how I come up with that number. Um, are they going to be late to it? Well, of course, yes, that's what the Fed does. But if they really wanted to, if I wanted to answer your questions directly, Sarah, I would just say, we are done raising rates. We jacked up rates so fast, so soon. Um, we didn't create the recession we wanted, but we're stopping here. And unless the growth rate of inflation, core, the difference is core inflation, not headline inflation. If the growth rate of core inflation, if it reaccelerates, uh, we might talk more hawkish, but we are done. We're going to endure. This is why whenever we do our podcast over the last year, we talk about the Fed needs, needs to have a way to endure and not talk hawkish when he gets to another, another point. Because if the goal is to keep rates, short-term rates higher than longer, you need to have the economy still expanding. So you don't need to play with fire. Then you could say, well, we're going to slow down our pace of quantitative tightening. And um, and we realize higher rates are, thankfully, at least they realize higher rates aren't good for housing. I mean, it would be really weird for them to go, 8% rates are great for housing. No, no, no. Yeah, not, not the case. Um, so 
you know, you you they can do that if they really wanted to support the bond market. They they would say we're done with QT. We're going to buy bonds, you know, and we're done with rate hikes. Our job is to make sure the economy keeps on expanding. I just don't believe that's ever going to be the case because once you go into a rate hike cycle, thinking 1970s, you have to leave a rate hike cycle with the 1970s. So uh, it's not it's not the best Powell. Sp- uh, presser, but I think the bond market has gotten some clues here. And then again, it's all it's it's following every uh, piece of economic data going out in the future. That's what we're that's what we're doing here. Uh, uh, and to me, it was always jobless claims data. The Fed loves their job openings data. We have the BLS Jobs Friday coming up uh, on Friday. Wage growth data is really key there, and we'll see because once once the labor market breaks it's really easy to see it's one of these data lines this is why i always fo- focus on jobless claims you can't have a job loss recession post world war ii with jobless claims staying low it has to break uh and once it breaks that's it and then again of course because the fed waits every six weeks or whatever to have meetings they're naturally going to be s- slow to the to the response because you think of all the rate hikes that has happened for them to think that they're going to cut like two and a half percent or anything, no, that's not going to be the case. So uh, in the future, I think what the Fed is counting on, you know, because uh, Bullard, Jim Bullard, one of the old Fed members that before he left, he always talked about, well, if long-term yields come down, that helps us uh, uh, because long-term yields will impact mortgage rates, mortgage rates, will housing, the housing sector is the one area that is still depressed existing home sales, right? The new home sales market is different, but the existing home sales are still very depressed. Car sales are growing double digits. New home sales are growing double digits. Retail sales are growing. But the one area that is basically at 21st century lows of demand is still uh, existing home sales. So um, your dad is in the mortgage business. You know a ton of people in this business. You were until a couple of years ago in it yourself. If you're a mortgage lender right now, what do you? what would you say you know, when's, when's the break in interest rates coming? Anytime soon or is this a long-term hold? It, it does look like in 2024, the backdrop for rates going lower and staying lower is better than what it was in 2023. 2023, you know, you could have that initial move lower. I just didn't think we can break under 3.37%. Uh, and then I guess the jobless claims data got noticeably better, especially in the second half of 2023. But now with all the rate hikes, with everything in place now, where mortgage rates are today, currently, where are the 10-year yields, there's a better backdrop for this to happen uh, in 2024. This is not like what we had last year at this time. Last year it was, okay, the dollar was stronger. You know, We had all this chaos around the world. We, we don't have an event like that. The dollar isn't as strong as that it used to be. And, and the Fed even talked about this, financial conditions where the dollar gets too strong, not good. Uh, the stock market falling, not good. Okay, those are financial conditions they're keeping an eye on. Well, the market is stock market has held up this year, of course, and the um, the dollar has gotten stronger recently, but it, it 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 hasn't it hasn't gone up to like the levels that we saw last last summer and fall. So the financial conditions can get tighter in the sense with more of these rate hikes into the system, and we're already seeing the withdrawal of like the apartment boom is almost is over. Uh, we're going to see the impacts of. Can the builders could even still pay down rates? Well, not all builders can do this, right? So you're going to see the impact into this economy. And that's what 
he talked about. He's talked about financial conditions getting tighter will give us the lower growth that we're looking for. Uh, so with that in mind, next year looks better just because we're working from a higher bar on the 10-year yield. Uh, but again, follow the labor data. Labor data is key to everything. The bond market tried to get ahead of the Fed because they thought we were going into recession while jobless claims were rising and everything. The banking crisis, well, that didn't work. Jobless claims started getting better. If jobless claims were above 323,000, we're not talking about a 10-year yield at 4.79%, right? We're talking about a 10-year yield under four and a quarter. That's where that Gandalf line will be presented on the top end. Uh, but the later labor data has still stayed solid. We'll see how Jobs Friday turns out. Well, I mean, I guess that's good that we don't see it getting worse, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better anytime real soon, right? Yeah, you know, it's like we, we what we've always talked about, uh, a good economic data, a soft landing, those things are not good for rates. But in this case, when you have core inflation 1.7% above where the Fed wants it to be, um, labor data just keeps things... Uh, the 10-year yield and the Fed funds rate much higher than what people are are traditionally used to. And I think a lot of this is, you know, we, we came from a, a decade where the growth rate of inflation was very tame. We had low mortgage rates in the last decade. It wasn't like mortgage rates never got to three and a quarter or three and a half percent. It's just that we didn't have this the booming demand uh, 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 that facilitated unhealthy home price growth. We had that here mostly because total active listings fell to all-time lows. That's the big difference in this cycle than the previous. And we're just pushing it along. And you know, I, you know, a lot of people said, "Well, how can the Fed? How can the Fed ease? Home prices are at all-time highs." And you know, that's that's another subject of Matt. You know what happened this week? Um, uh, Freddie Mac home prices all-time highs. K. Schiller index all-time highs. FHFA home price all that all-time highs. So was, the Fed's got to keep hiking because they got to destroy the housing market. You, you guys have to remember, there's only one group of people in America that wake up every single day having a fantasy about home prices crashing. That's the anti-central bank people. And it's just been not the best 12 years for this crew. So uh, in this case, they don't target home prices. Uh, rent inflation is what they want to see go down because the home prices don't filter into the inflation data they're looking at. Uh, so, uh, you know, when the fed talked about the housing reset to me, it was more like, well, in March or like February and March of 2022, 75% of all homes had multiple bids. That number has gone down a lot. That's what they wanted to see go away. Now, of course you needed to have the biggest home sale crash ever recorded in history to do that. But here, you know, prices rising is, is just a function of inventory being low. Like it always has been post 2020. So I don't think the Fed targets, okay, they have to keep on raising rates because home prices just hit an all-time high. No, that, it doesn't work that way. So let's talk a little bit about inventory and how it how it fits into those home prices. And also um, what the uh, percentage of homes that saw price cuts. So these are things that you track every week with a tracker. Um, so what did we find out this last weekend uh, with with those two things? What we found out is that I'm still batting a zero. Sarah, I am actually still. <laughs> it's sad. Batting. It's I am sad. still batting. I I just assume for people who don't don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I had I always have a thing. Higher rates creates more inventory as days on market. This is actually true. The growth rate of inventory has picked up the last the uh, a few weeks. I just had a set target level 
um, between eleven to 17,000 this year. That with higher rates really start to pick up above seven, we should get a few weeks like that. We haven't got any, nothing. Now, I could say it's October seasonality. If this was March 2024, it's different because that's the seasonality increase. Okay, but that's not the case. So because of that, <clears throat> the growth rate of inventory is picking up not as fast as, as I would like, but the price cut percentages are still 4% below last year. And I think one so much of the confusion on housing, because you see all these people look at, oh my God, Case Shiller at all-time highs. How is this even possible? We were told home prices would fall 20, 30, 40% in 2020, 2021, 2020. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. But the price cut percentage being down 4% year over year should give people the understanding that it's just not that marketplace in 2022. And 2022 was, again, a... a four-stage Shakespeare play. Like we had an unbelievable hot home price growth, which forced me to throw in the towel and say savagely unhealthy housing. Then we had the Fed pivot and then a 10-year yield finally broke above, you know, 1.94%. So here comes the cooling down of housing. Then we had, okay, the housing recession here, June 15th, 2022, 501 PM. And then all of a sudden we go from this month-to-month home prices are declining. What are the builders going to do? Housing recession to, oh, okay, the 10-year yield should fall. Let's see if the housing market stabilized. It And started stabilizing. Uh, this all happened in one year during a time where home sales went from 6.5 million to 4 million. So that's not normal. So I think the abnormal crash in home sales made some of the data line uh, n- doesn't look what it historically looks like in terms of the growth rate of inventory and price cut percentages. Now it's a little bit more of a stable uh, marketplace on that on that side, and that's why you know w- when we look at it today, inventory is still negative year over year. The price cut percentage is still negative year over year. New listings data is trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history. Still, and let me tell you, people are already looking at the new listings data. They're already going to like exaggerate if they if they see some a little bit of growth they're going to say oh here it is millions of people are going to know nothing has happened we have to get back to 2021 and 2022 levels just to match the previous all-time lows in this data line so think of when you think of new listings data you're going to need to see the new listings count grow in the spring or spring and early summer because the gap that we created uh, uh, between those two years and, and this year really came there. So there's some convergence in the data that happens early on and late. So it doesn't really matter the year-over-year data so much there, but uh, the growth has to come in the spring and the, and the early summer. That's where all, all the value should be. Uh, we were up a couple hundred homes year over year. It's still trending at the lowest levels. There's nothing going on here. Some people are already trying to make, oh my God, look, there's something. No, there's nothing going on. Stop freaking out and spazzing out. You know, in any case, um, uh, we'll see it in the data and we need duration, right? You need growth year over year and you need it to stick and you need to keep on growing and growing and growing on a year over year basis. We'll see if that happens in 2024. But boy, new listings data is trending at all time lows. Inventory is negative year over year. Price cut percentages are lower. Active inventory is still near all time lows. While it's higher than the lows that, uh, you know, we had in March of 2020, uh, we're not back to normal. If you're back to like the markets that are any housing market or any part of the country that's back to 2019 inventory levels off the savagely unhealthy housing market, because that's a balanced marketplace. It's a more balanced marketplace than other places. So uh, unfortunately, again, 
the whole point of the savagely unhealthy housing market was home prices that keep on rising, even with weakness in demand and total housing costs keeps on growing, right? It's just more, it's most expensive time, most unaffordable time to buy a home. We see it in the sales data, uh, but it's just, it's just a, it's just a function of low supply. And we have some crazy people out there that keep on saying there's no housing shortage. It's the Fed. It's the Fed. Well, in theory, if that was the case, when rates get to five, six, seven, inventory would skyrocket. That's just not the case. Sellers are majority buyers. There's a natural equilibrium that's worked with housing economics going back to 1982. All you need to do is read, and then you get to see it, and then understand the credit cycles now are much different than they were from 2000 to 2000. That requires even more reading. And then once you read about all this, you realize that the home builders are not going to flood the market with millions of single family homes because they only have 75,000. That goes against their business models. That's another beauty thing of reading, right? This is why we say reading is a good thing. The history of human civilization has taught us that men, men who are not afraid to show their faces nor their names, when they read, they have a benefit over a clan who hides their face. And the real days. Okay, well, uh, we were I mean, different. W- women also, right? I mean, I, what you're women trying to say is women are fine. Women, women are not as crazy as men. We just have a bunch of losers out there. You know, just, <laughs> just literally have wake up, have nothing to go for themselves. It's just basically promoting doom porn for 12 years as fanatical groups do, which typically are men, right? And uh, uh, our job, right? Myself and a few others. We're going to talk about economics the right way. It's not as exciting. I get it. But there are ways to make it a little bit entertaining and talk about the truth. So our combatants are out there, of course. And again, we're sitting here, it was what, Halloween, when uh, near Halloween when the data came out and home prices are at all-time highs, not for the good reason, right? For a bad reason. Inventory was too low. It makes housing more expensive. We don't want that. But in the reality of these major home price crash crowds, there's only one group of people. And Sarah Wheeler, they will not change. They will go to their grave doing this. And even in death, in the afterlife, in the dark abyss of when they look, because not even the devil will even give them any attention, they will talk about the entire world is going to hell because of the Fed's balance sheet. That's not how it works, right? That's not how it works. I think it's interesting that um, last week you wrote about the, you know, coming up on Halloween, we have a, a the housing market is a scary market or something like that. I can't remember what the headline was, but I think the whole thing is like, it's a savagely unhealthy housing market today for com- for different reasons than it was a savagely unhealthy housing market in 2021 or 2022, right? So it's not, it's not that, oh, there's so many offers on homes. It's that the home prices have, have kept going up. And we just have too few homes. You know, Sarah, if I had told you that we'd have the biggest home sale crash ever recorded in history and that the following year home prices would hit all-time highs with 8% mortgage, would you have honestly looked at me and said, that sounds right? No, it's crazy. No, no, it shouldn't sound right. It shouldn't sound right. We just have a, a lot of different things that happen after 2010. And I've always said this, and it confuses a lot of people. And I always say credit channels run inventory channels. The entire structure of the United States housing market changed after 2010. So if you're using previous models going back decades and you're not altering yourself to a qualified mortgage where every person who lists their home, if they're designed to be sellers, to be buyers, then they have to be pre-qualified to buy a home wherever the rates and prices are. 
that dynamic has shifted the total inventory channel to be different than any time in, in the recent modern day history. So you have to inhale that information, digest it, read it, and go, wait a second, if this is the case, then people don't sell to be homeless. Shocking, right? Because if you sell to be homeless and you have children, what happens? The cops take your kids away. And if you're employed and you're homeless, it really makes you look crazy. So people aren't crazy, right? So can there be people that sell to rent? Absolutely, right? There, there's If you can't purchase a home and you need a bigger home, you need a smaller home, you need to move, there's, there's supply out there for rent. So you can go out there and rent. But just majority of the time, sellers or buyers, hopefully those black lines and those inventory charts, I'm trying to show this year 13, it, it, the, di- the structural dynamics are different. So uh, we have to take it one week. That's why we created the track tracker. So none of you can ever say, I didn't see it coming, right? Because we could read, it's like people say, well, what happened in 2008? Did you see, listen, dude, read the credit data, inventory, credit, everything was breaking in 2005, six, seven, eight. People weren't reading back then, right? So now reading on the other side. So you have two different structural dynamics of housing, uh, and again, for me, just in general, the housing market revolves around the 10-year yield. So the 10-year yield gets up too high, demand can't grow, 10-year yield goes down, demand can grow, we could get more traction in sales, uh, and we're at a very elevated level in regards to what we've dealt with in the last 10 to 12 years. So uh, we're also, if you take the 1970s out of the equation, we're basically kind of at the high point of where we would have been for five, six decades, excluding the 1970s period uh, when uh, uh, the growth rate inflation was much hotter than what it was today. And just to give you guys some context, mortgage rates were what 18.36% or uh, almost 18.5% in uh, 1981. Okay, here we are uh, uh, a little bit under 8%. I think think today's pricing was like 7.75. But the growth rate of inflation was so much hotter back then. Mortgage rates were so much hotter back then. Here, it's a little bit different case, and I know it's confusing, the growth rate of inflation falling and mortgage rates rose up there, but just think about the labor market dynamics now, because if you look at the Fed, labor supply, labor supply, you know, and I, I'm glad that there was finally an, a uh, reporter that said, you talked about pain in the job market, you know, we needed pain, and look, inflation has fallen by itself, and that's where everyone should go. That's what the conversation with the Federal Reserve should be. You told us we needed a job loss recession to bring the growth rate of inflation, and no, it didn't. It went down, even with the tight labor market, even with job openings high. So you don't need to do this, okay? Your model broke because you're running a model off the 70s. You're not modeling off a pandemic. Adjust your models, Fed. Land the plane. Land the plane. Well, we're going to land this plane on that note because that's exactly right. Like, um, it feels like it's the Fed's next move if if anything's going to uh, move in this housing market. The the 10-year yield, the bond market can can move differently from the Fed. Do you expect that to happen? Yeah, I mean I mean ju- I mean just just in general, look what happened. We haven't had rate hikes, but the bond market shot up and we had another rate hikes and the bond market has fallen. So remember the 10-year yield can move. Just to give you all an example in the previous expansion, we had 0% interest rates. We had the 10-year yield go from 160 to 3% with nothing. There was no rate hikes coming, nothing. So there are periods and times where nothing the Fed does for a prolonged period and the bond market can move. And the next move from the bond market will happen before the rate cut happens, right? 
The bond traders, once they sniff out, oh, the data's getting bad, they will go with it uh, because they're there to make money and yields typically go down when the economy is actually really breaking. Uh, but the Fed would change its QT. You know, there's all these things would all these things would have a different tone once jobless claims break over 323,000. And for this moment here, we still haven't got there. And that this is one of the reasons why we haven't had a Fed pivot. So I'm still sticking to that. Fed won't pivot until labor market breaks, but you don't need to break the labor market, you know, land the plane. Okay, next time I talk to you, we will know what the labor data is. So we'll talk about that. But thanks so much, Logan, for getting on and walking us through this. I always appreciate it. Pleasure as always, Sarah Wheeler. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.